You're listening to episode number 78 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. In today's episode, let's tackle this really difficult topic that I think a lot of people shy away from and don't want to talk about, and that's how to enjoy your difficult child. And I want to make this really applicable, and I want to make this full of action steps and real practical strategies of things that you can do. And I'm really hoping that by sharing some of this vulnerability and sharing some of my personal stories will help you to feel not so alone and understand that it is possible to enjoy your difficult child. So let's get into today's episode. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mom photographers out there feeling overwhelmed trying to raise a thriving family and build a profitable business you love. I'm a business and motherhood coach, brand photographer, podcaster, wife, and homeschooling mama saved by grace. So I can totally relate to the never-ending to-do lists endless hours of editing, and the trail of messes strewn across the floor. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to step into the role as CEO in your motherhood and your business. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, take some serious action, and embrace hard things for the sake of growth, then you're in the right place. Hey mama, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be here with you today. It is 87 degrees and rainy in Arizona in the middle of July. Actually, it's the end of July, but I cannot believe how chilly it is outside. Oh my gosh, for those of you that don't know, the average weather in July in Arizona is about 108 to 110. And so this is absolutely glorious. I'm staring out the window right now. It's rainy. My kids have been playing. Well, one of my kids have been playing in the rain all morning and the other one has been complaining that it's cold. So I just thought I'd share that with you guys. I think that's so funny. But for those of you that are new listeners, I always like to take a minute to introduce who I am and just let you know a little bit about me. So I'm Ashley Freehand, the founder of The Purpose Gathering, which is an online community and platform for mom photographers. I know how lonely it can be as a mama and how equally lonely it can be as an entrepreneur and then put the two together and it just seems like it's an impossible task to do both and do them well. So here at The Purpose Gathering, it's my mission to help mamas feel empowered, encouraged, and supported and give them the tools and the strategies that they need to find peace and joy in both motherhood and business and to do both well, but without sacrificing your family or your sanity in the process. Now, for those of you who haven't heard, I just embarked on a new layer of mompreneurship, which is homeschooling. So my two children are home with me 24-7 now, and I am their new teacher. 
And it's actually, this was the first week that we homeschooled and our schedule is really beautiful. I love that I can make the homeschool schedule work around my business schedule. And so we only do school Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And it's been working out so well so far. Of course, I know the novelty will wear off and, you know, some different issues are going to present themselves, but I am so excited. You guys have no idea how excited I am to have my kids home and have them be a part of my business and be the biggest influence in their life. And if you guys are curious to know why I decided to homeschool, um, my kids are seven and 10, so they are second and fifth grade. And this is the first year that we have been homeschooling on purpose. <laughs> um, so if you guys want to check out that episode, I will leave it in the show notes so that you guys can listen. Um, to the episode about how I decided and why I decided to homeschool and then some really awesome resources that I've been leaning into to help me on this new journey. So in addition to this podcast, I also have a group coaching program called Side Hustler to CEO. And that program is for mamas who are ready to level up in their business. They want to take their photography side hustle and turn it into something that is legitimate and profitable and also sustainable for their family. And so I always want to mention that in case you are needing more support and you can check out all the details over at thepurposegathering.com slash coaching and also hit me up over on Instagram. I love to chat with you. It's always so fun to hear from listeners whenever I get messages. I just it really lights me up to know who's listening. I can put a face and a name with my listener. And so it always really encourages me to keep going with this podcast. So I would appreciate it if you haven't taken a minute to introduce yourself, head on over to Instagram. I'm over there at The Purpose Gathering and let's start a conversation in the DMs. But I know that you came here today to get some tips and some insights and support on how to enjoy your difficult child. And if you are listening right now and feeling embarrassed or frustrated or just at the end of your rope, I want you to know that you're not alone and that this feeling is natural and it is something that a lot of people experience. And I've had several mamas reach out to me lately and just sort of spill their their hearts and share with me the difficulty that they're having with their children and sort of the emotions that feel really hard to admit about handling this difficult child. And so I just felt like it would be so encouraging to share sort of my experience and our journey and, and yeah, I just, I mean, I know it's so hard to talk about, but I think once we bring light to a situation, it becomes less scary. It becomes less overwhelming. And especially if we can tackle this with other people, it becomes much easier. And just to sort of be more specific and clarify, this episode is for mamas whose children are not just difficult once in a while, you know, because I feel like kids are difficult a number of different times a day, right? It's not just like a one and done thing, but I'm, I'm more specifically speaking to the mamas who have extremely difficult children, children who struggle with defiance, emotional regulation, behavioral struggles, 
those types of things. And not to say that if your child is not experiencing those, that you won't learn something from this episode, because I truly believe everyone can glean information from today's episode. But I'm specifically speaking to those mamas who know the difficult child on a deeper level and experience immense struggle parenting and just going through the day-to-day transitions. You know, everything seems hard. Mealtime is hard. Brushing teeth is hard. Putting on underwear is hard. Like all the simple things that you think shouldn't be hard, they're extra hard. And I want you to know that I see you and that you are not the only mama that is dealing with a difficult child. So to give you a little bit of a backstory, I mentioned earlier, I have two children ages seven and 10. Jaden is seven and he is my son. And then my daughter is Scarlett and she is 10. Um, So although both of them have presented difficulties and challenges in various ways, I'm mostly going to be focusing today's episode talking about my son and his unique struggles. So Jaden has always been an extremely brilliant, busy, mischievous young man, (laughs) even from the very beginning. I mean, he started walking at 10 months old. He was climbing and getting into things way too early on. He would never stay in his crib. He stopped actually sleeping in his crib by like 16 months because we could not keep him in the crib, although we tried everything. There was a time I can remember where I left him in the playroom, which was gated, of course, and protected and safe, but I left him in the playroom for a few minutes while I was getting ready in my bathroom, and I heard him yelling for help, and I come out, and he had climbed on top of our dresser. We had like a little wardrobe dresser where our daughter's dress-up clothes were hanging. He had climbed the shelf like a ladder, like each shelf. He got down a container of paint, like washable paint, took the lid off the paint and had finger painted his entire body, face, hands, arms, feet, and clothes in red paint. Now, I will be so honest with you that when I walked into the room, it looked like a horror scene, like blood everywhere. But because he wasn't crying, I knew that it wasn't blood. And it took me a second to realize it was paint. But oh my gosh, He was 18 months old, you guys. So from the get-go, this kiddo of ours was busy and always into things. He was the child who potty trained pretty easily, but he would pee in the toilet in the playroom and then just dump it on the floor. And like, he just, you know, there was just, I mean, I could go on the stories, the, the, he, we found him at the park one day. He figured out how to open the door at 18 months again and walked to the park, which wasn't very far from our home, but luckily a neighbor had found him and was walking him back to our house when I finally was going to look for him. You know, you do the panic thing where you search the whole house and then I'm like, he's not here. He left. So, I mean, there's story after story. He got out on the roof at age three at our home, um, not just once, but three times. He figured out how to get the, um, what are they called? The window locks off of the door, off of the windows. And you guys, it was just like, this kiddo has given us a run for our money. 
Well, by the age of three, he was in preschool and he was having lots of struggles. He couldn't sit still at nap time, of course, because he stopped napping at like 16 months. I mean, he was so busy and always into things. And one day I got a call that he had hit his head underneath the stall in the bathroom. So at this particular preschool that he went to, they shared a bathroom with the elementary school. So he wasn't allowed, or the teachers, I'm sorry, the female teachers were not allowed to go into the boys' bathroom. And so he just had to go in and do his business at three years old. Of course, a busy little boy is going to get into trouble. But he was climbing under the stall and he stood up and he hit his head. And I came to pick him up and they said he seemed to be okay. But then, you know, he was having issues moving his neck and we ended up having to take him to the ER. And everything was fine, but I feel like from then on, like, things just weren't, like, connecting in his brain. Like, I felt like, and maybe, maybe this wasn't even the cause of it, you know what I mean? I mean, he climbed out on the roof. We can't remember if that was before or after this incident, but it just seemed like ever since that incident, more things were coming to light. So over the next three years, we really started to notice a huge shift in his, like, cognitive development. He was extremely smart. So that's that was not an issue. He could read, he could write, he could he was doing really well in school. It was more so behavioral, you know, impulsivity, controlling his emotions, um thinking following directions and auditorily listening to the directions and then remembering what they were. And so we just sort of started to see just a bunch of different difficulties, if you will. And so I want to get into like the different therapies and stuff that we're doing with him, but of course that would be a long episode. So I'll just briefly explain to you guys sort of what we have done in the past and what we're doing now as far as therapy. And then I'll have to just dive into that deeper in another episode. But we started, um, and he's been seeing the chiropractor biweekly since he was born. And so I really think that has helped. Um, But we went and saw a chiropractic neurologist and we did therapy with them for six weeks, which was absolutely incredible. I felt like it really helped um, kind of shift some things in his brain development and it worked really well. But then as soon as we stopped going, a bunch of the sort of symptoms and things that we had been noticing before improve, they got worse again. And a lot of this brain development and this brain therapy, um, you have to do exercises to keep up with the, you know, neuroplasticity in the brain. And we just didn't do that. Um, But we also at that point had been researching another place um, called Brain Balance, which also is an additional type of brain therapy. And so that is what our son does now. And so again, I'm going to talk about that in a future episode. And I think I'm going to have one of his program directors come on and really speak to the therapy and what it does. Because even though in my brain, I sort of know what it does, it's really hard for me to explain it verbally. And I know she would do a much better job. But I just wanted to give you this backstory. So you kind of have a picture of what we're dealing with. And you know, the difficulties that that he struggles with. But I want to give you guys five really practical, actionable steps that you can take to enjoy your difficult child. Number one is to recognize their struggles and view them as an opportunity for growth. 
I feel like so often as parents, we view misbehavior as a child problem, like they know better, they should do better, but that's not always the case. And I think a lot of parents don't give children the credit that they deserve for their developing brain. Like children's brains are not fully developed until they're 25 years old. And so for us to expect our children to be adults at all times is not fair. And so I really want you to start to view their struggles and think of them as an opportunity for growth and not only for them to grow, but for you to grow. And I remember first kind of deciding or figuring out that this was a struggle that was beyond the scope of what is quote unquote like typical, which I hate to say that, but that is what we're talking about are some atypical behaviors here. And there's there's a point where you as the parent, you start to sort of recognize and you start to say, you know, I don't know if this is typical. And this is when seeking help is really important. Even just a, a trusted friend, people um, in your community, mom's groups, just asking like, you know, I'm really curious, is this normal behavior? Because I think so often we want our kids to be normal. We want our kids to fit this mold, but we don't really want to talk about it because it's embarrassing. We don't want to admit that our kids are possibly struggling beyond how we can help them. And so I think it's important to educate yourself and find support when you realize that, that there's a struggle, that there's a opportunity for growth. And then I want you to do something about it. And a lot of parents, I think, struggle with this too, because you just get so frustrated that you don't know what to do. And sometimes it's easier to just argue and fight with your child or give in or try to control the situation than to take the time to work through the struggle. And one of the reasons that I wanted to homeschool was so that I would have the time and the capacity to work through these struggles because I knew that rushing from, you know, school to activities to all the things, it wasn't going to leave me the bandwidth to really focus in on this area of growth for my son. And so I wanted to be front and center. I wanted to see the struggle that the teachers were seeing. I wanted to be able to recognize the area for growth and do something about it. And so I really encourage you to recognize the struggle and view it as an opportunity for growth and find support. So that's number one. Number two would be to release control to minimize power struggles. And this is a hard one. This is a really hard one for me, especially It's really easy for me to want to control situations, but this is something that has been a huge game changer that as soon as I start to recognize that I need to be in control and that I have, you know, my fists too tight and I'm not giving my children enough room for them to take ownership and control, that it causes constant power struggles. And so, A perfect example of this is my son has exercises that he's required to do every day with his brain therapy, and I was being really obsessive about it and watching him because I don't feel like I can trust him, that if I would let him do these exercises on his own, he probably would do five and then tell me he did them all. And 
It's embarrassing to admit that, but I think a lot of us feel that way with our difficult children. We don't feel like we can trust them because they've broken our trust in the past. And I'm a motherhood expert. Like I talk about these things, you guys. This is like my gifting to teach on parenting and business, but specifically, I love parenting and brain development. Like I love all these things, but it's so different to give advice than to take your own advice. And so I was out to dinner the other night with friends and I was telling them this story about the exercises and how my son is just not doing them. Like he's just fighting me every step of the way. There's crying, there's screaming, there's hitting, there's, I mean, all the things. And they're like, maybe you just need to trust him to do the exercises by himself. And I'm like, but he won't. And they're like, but how do you know? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) So I took their advice and I started letting him have more freedom I had already made him a checklist of the different exercises that he has to do, and I told him that I am going to trust him and that he's in charge of, you know, his brain development and this these exercises help grow and strengthen his brain, and so I'm going to put him in charge of his brain development and I'm going to trust that he can do it. And it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard for me to release that control because I still want to be like, well, did he really do it? I want to like spy on him and I may have spied on him, you know, to just check in and see if he did it. But I feel like the power struggle is gone because I'm no longer hounding him. I'm no longer standing there. I'm no longer giving him the option to create a power struggle because I'm saying like, hey, I'm totally trusting you to do this. And we've only been doing it for three days now like this, but he's already doing so much better. Does he skip some of the exercises? A little bit. Yeah. But is that okay? Yes. Because I know that he'll work his way up. I know that he'll start to get more confident in himself. And once he sees that I'm releasing that control and that I'm trusting him again, then he can earn back that trust. And I am a firm believer in second chances and that every day is a new opportunity to make new decisions and be someone different. And I need to fully embrace that in my own children's life and give them that same respect that I would want them to give me, right? I mess up all the time. I am not a perfect person. I am not a perfect mom. And if they hold grudges against me every day and and they don't trust me every day, like how awful would that make me feel? And so I should be giving my children the same benefit of the doubt and releasing that control and letting them have more freedom, even if they're going to mess up, right? Because they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And I don't expect perfection. Although I should back up, I do expect perfection, but I shouldn't expect for perfection because perfection is not real. And so progress is really what I'm focusing on. And so I just need to let the control go and take my own advice. And so I'm so grateful for my friends for pointing that out. Hey friend, I wanted to take a quick minute and invite you to a free masterclass that I'm hosting on August 26th at 1130 AM Pacific time. In this masterclass, I will be teaching you how to purposefully time block your schedule to achieve peace and productivity. You can expect to learn how to create a master task list and establish time blocks, how to assign the tasks and protect those time blocks, 
and how do you actually stick to the schedule you create? And then finally, we're gonna be talking about how to eliminate distractions to get more done in less time. I don't want your calendar to control you anymore, so if you are ready to grab your free seat, head on over to thepurposegathering.com productivity, and I can't wait to see you there. Okay, now strategy number three is going to be empathize with their feelings. Now, this is really important because if we want to raise children who are emotionally intelligent, then we need to show them that it's okay to feel their feelings. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to not want to do something. That's okay. But how we express our anger and how we show disrespect towards our parents, like those are the types of things that we can disciple our children on. And those are the types of areas of growth that are going to serve them very well in the future. And so we don't want to diminish their feelings. When our child is being defiant, we can empathize with the fact that they don't want to do it. There are so many times when I don't want to do certain things. And because I'm an adult, I get to say, I don't want to do this, right? And so it's okay to let our children feel that. And sometimes it's okay to let your children not do things. Of course, there are times when we need them to listen to us, but I want you to see past the power struggle, right? And give them some opportunity to have a say. Because I think that's the hardest part for kids is that we as adults are very my way or the highway. (laughs) Like it's just sort of how a lot of us were raised. And it just sort of seems like that's, that's how it works. Like the parents in charge and the kids are just along for the ride and they're just supposed to listen and fall in line. But really, we are not raising tiny robots, and I'm very passionate about this, and having this empathy for our children's feelings and allowing them to have some sort of jurisdiction in what happens in their life, because I think that we want to raise children who stand up for themselves, who have a voice, and who are not easily influenced by others, and we can't expect our children to build that resiliency if we don't allow them the freedom to use that voice. And so empathizing with your children's feelings and coming up with suitable compromises this has been really huge for me, and it's something that that doesn't come naturally to me, but I want to, my children to be able to express their upset. I want them to be able to express their anger. I want them to be able to share why they're so upset, but not channel that anger into aggression or disrespect. And so there's a huge difference there. I have um, several different complimentary episodes that are coming to mind right now that I would love to share with you guys. And so I'm going to put those in the show notes so that you guys can start to work through some of this stuff because I could literally talk about this all day long. Okay, let's talk about strategy number four, which is to evaluate your triggers and use your calm voice. This one I feel like is where a lot of us struggle because We have silent trauma. We all have silent trauma from our own childhoods, and we all have these triggers that we are unaware of until they are triggered. 
And it's so important that we are aware of this. And so I want you guys to start to take note of this. Keep a note on your phone that you can update as you're feeling triggered. So for instance, anytime that your child says something or does something that really instantly makes you upset, like you go from zero to 60 in a snap, that's a trigger. Write that down. For me, when I hurt myself and my kids are already agitating me, that's a trigger. Like the other day, I was talking to my kids and I was being super calm and then I dropped a stool on my toe and then all of a sudden I was flaming mad and screaming at them. And it was just like, that's a trigger. And so I needed to learn how to like just take a deep breath, maybe walk away in that moment and calm myself down. And the same is true if I'm having a disagreement with my son and he's being defiant and he doesn't like how I'm handling a situation or he doesn't like my response to something and he hits me or he swings at me or he spits at me, that's a trigger. That makes me instantly mad. And so those are the types of things that I want you guys to keep track of and write down because if you know what triggers you, you can know the next step. You can know what you need to do. So you might need to like tighten your fists and you might need to walk away. And that might be the strategy that'll help you not explode. It's also really important to once you kind of realize your triggers, is to be able to work through them and not take everything that your child says so seriously um, or personally. And that's been a big one for me. Once I stopped taking what my children were saying personally, it wasn't a personal attack. It was them fighting back out of fear or out of anger. And I sort of, when they say mean things like that, I sort of envision them holding up a white flag being like, I don't know what to do. I need help. I'm just going to throw out anything and everything I have and say the most ridiculous, mean things because I don't know what else to do. And so when they do that, I'm able to recognize and realize that that's not them. That is their fear or their anger and or their sadness, right? Because anger is a secondary emotion. There's always a primary emotion that comes before that. And so I want to recognize that and be able to help them work through their fears and their sadness and things like that. But I can't do that if I am at a 10 and my lid is flipped and I'm flaming mad. And so I need to evaluate those triggers and be able to speak in a calm voice. And lastly, this one is huge. Number five is to focus on highlighting their strengths. So I want you to figure out what are your children good at and lean into that. Leverage their strengths. So my son is an extremely incredible, helpful human being. He loves to help. He loves being a part of things. And so when I recognize that he is being defiant or that he is struggling or having a really difficult time, I can leverage that strength of him being an amazing helper, and I can redirect the situation. And that helps me enjoy him so much better. And I know that you can think of so many strengths that your own child has if you just stop and take a minute not to focus on all the negative things and focus on what they do well and continue to highlight that. All right, mama, I hope that you 
have some strategies and some tips to try and go out and tackle. I have a list of complimentary episodes I'm going to leave in the show notes because I feel like there's so much more that I could go into and I already have in other episodes. And so I really want to give you that support. I want to give you that guidance because I know how difficult it is. It is an absolute struggle to enjoy our children when they are difficult. It really is. And it makes us feel like horrible parents. But I don't want you to feel that way. I want you to know that you're not alone, that I feel this way, that there are so many other mamas out there that feel this way as well. We have to band together. We have to be the village. It seriously takes a village to be a parent and to nurture and develop human beings. It's hard work and we were never meant to do it alone. So I would love to invite each and every one of you listening to join our Facebook community. It's totally free to join and you can sign up over at thepurposegathering.com slash mamas. And this is a safe place for you to not only talk about motherhood and these deep, dark struggles that we go through, but also to talk about business and how to balance the two. And so that's really my goal and vision for this community is to be able to talk about all things, not just one thing, not just motherhood, and not just business, but all things because we are so multifaceted. We have so many intricate pieces that God has woven into our being. And we need to be able to talk about all of it in one place. And so I would love to have you guys join us over there. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot of it, share it out on Instagram and tag me at The Purpose Gathering and share with the other mamas that are following you your biggest takeaway. And hopefully we can reach more mamas who are struggling so that they can feel encouraged, inspired and empowered as well. Until next time, Mama, I am always here rooting for you, and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You can do hard things, and life is about more than just surviving. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. To become a part of our free online community and connect with like-minded mom photographers, head on over to thepurposegathering.com slash mamas. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this girl, and I can't wait until next time.